This is Dr. Rob Harder with the Nonprofit Leadership Podcast, making your world better. What does it take to be an effective nonprofit leader today? What are the biggest challenges? What are the biggest obstacles? How should nonprofits fundraise in an economy that is constantly changing? All of these reasons combined led me to start this show. And it's my hope that through this series, people can learn not only what it takes to be an effective nonprofit organization, but to hear from effective leaders who are successfully making a positive impact in their communities. We hope you enjoy the show as together we hear how they are making their world better. As a leader of a nonprofit, you know firsthand how important it is to have the right technology, tools, and strategies in place to achieve your mission. Well, that's where Heller Consulting comes in. Heller Consulting is a premier consulting firm that specializes in helping nonprofit organizations achieve their goals through effective technology strategy and implementation. Whether you need help with technology roadmaps, CRM strategy, Salesforce, or Microsoft implementations, Team Heller has you covered. With Heller Consulting on your side, you can trust that you'll have the support you need to make the most of your organization's technology resources. Visit teamheller.com slash NLP to learn more. Again, that's teamheller.com slash NLP to learn more. Do your investments align with your values? Well, now's the time to increase your triple bottom line to better people, profit, and the planet. Amalgamated Investment Services, a division of America's socially responsible bank, has a deep-seated commitment to affecting systemic change through investments. By specializing in triple bottom line impact, they can help navigate the common hurdles experienced by nonprofit organizations and foundations. From creating a sustainable policy statement to avoiding the all-too-prevalent greenwashing. If you would like to join them in creating a more just and sustainable world, please visit amalgamatedbank.com slash nonprofit investing. Again, that's amalgamatedbank.com slash nonprofit investing. Securities offered through Infinix Investments Incorporated, member FINRA and SIPC. Amalgamated Investment Services is a trade name of Amalgamated Bank, Infinex, and Amalgamated Bank are not affiliated. Being in the nonprofit space, one of the biggest questions I get is about grant funding. Nonprofit leaders know that grants can be a very important part of their overall revenue, but knowing how to write grants well and where to find them can leave many of us overwhelmed. Well, it's a good thing my friend Holly Rustic at Grant Writing and Funding creates ways to make grant writing simple and achievable. Well, here's the good news. She is offering you, my listener, a free grant writing class. And of course, she also has her own podcast, Grant Writing and Funding. So I encourage you to visit grantwritingandfunding.com slash Rob for the free grant writing class and find out more about Grant Writing and Funding podcast. Once again, that's grantwritingandfunding.com slash Rob. In just under 20 minutes, an average person may make 10 or more decisions. Some of those decisions won't be that consequential, but others will be incredibly consequential. I wonder how aware are you of how you make decisions? What is your decision-making process? How have your most recent decisions impacted you personally and professionally? Well, there's no doubt that when we make decisions, there is much more going on that impacts the type of decisions we make than we typically realize. My guests on today's show argue that one's physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual health influence every decision you make. My guests today are Dr. Jim Lair and Dr. Sheila Olson-Walker. Jim is a well-known performance psychologist, and Sheila is a behavioral geneticist. 
Together, they shed light on the factors that influence decision-making, offering a research-based method for making wiser decisions. In their new book, Wise Decisions, Drs. Lair and Walker explain how people can develop their YODA. It's an acronym which stands for Your Own Decision Advisor. Love the shout-out to Star Wars. Uh, We'll talk more about that. Uh, And essentially, what they'll say is YODA is your inner voice that helps guide you to make the best decisions you can with the information you have. This was such a great interview. I have broken these into two parts, part one and part two. There's lots of good information. I encourage you to take some notes as we go. Enjoy today's show. Well, it's so great to have you, Dr. Lair and Dr. Walker on the show today. Thanks for taking time to be on it. Thank you so much, Rob. We're both very excited and uh, we hope we can create some value for your audience. Absolutely. We're thrilled to be here. Thank you for having us. You bet. Well, decisions. Leaders make decisions all day, every day. Now, some decisions are fairly inconsequential. Uh, Others are very consequential. And as I stated at the beginning of this podcast, there is no doubt that when we make decisions, there's much more going on that impacts the type of decisions we make than we typically realize. So I want to get into this fascinating topic because it's so important for leaders. But first, I think it would be good to just get a little bit of background on both of you. Tell us a bit of your training and how did you each get into this area of making wise decisions? We'll start with you, Sheila, and then we'll go to Jim. Um, Well, thank you. Thank you again for having us on. You know, I uh, both of us came to this uh, arena very organically, but I'll tell you my story. So I am a, um, I'm a tennis player, I'm an athlete, kind of all my, all my skills that I learned that got me ahead in life and my preventative health skill, you know, kind of behaviors, those were formed through a sport that played out in the business world. I went on to, I played uh, college tennis and pro for a little bit. Um, I went on to have a job in the investment world, running a mutual fund. And over time, there were those kinds of decisions that had to do with building spreadsheets and, you know, looking at uh, data, economic data, business data, industry data, figuring out uh, how to make good decisions in the investment business that weren't reactive, uh, which is what happens in the stock market. Sometimes you see these big swings up and down and staying steady through those uh, swings to be a wise investor is an acquired skill that we can all learn. We'll talk about, you know, the neurobiology of it a little bit later on. But I pivoted. I switched uh, for you know personal professional reasons to be more intrinsically motivated with my work to go back to school and get my PhD in behavioral genetics and worked on a big twin study in London looking at how uh, nature and nurture shape behavior and how truly nurture shapes nature across time. So it is these skills that we were incredibly malleable as human beings. The childhood and adolescence are the most important period of time for us to, you know, learn skills that stick as habits throughout life, sort of automatically under the radar, this field of epigenetics. But, uh, but the, the decision-making applies to all realms of life, business, our health, the things that we do in the world, the things that we're passionate about, that we engage in. And so, you know, it's just really, um, as we'll talk about, it's really the one big superpower. We really have the ability to have agency about and be intentional about, but it's something that wasn't written about and were covered in the way that we sh- thought it could be and should be in, uh, in the research and also for in, in terms of, you know, content for young people to, you know, to learn from. So, uh, so that's, that's the genesis of us uh, coming together to write this book. That's wonderful. Thank you. And Jim, how about yourself? Give us a bit of your background. So uh, I have a master's in doctorate in psychology. I became a licensed psychologist in the state of Colorado. And 
My specialty was community mental health, and I became chief psychologist and executive director of a very large community mental health center that served the whole central and southern part of Colorado. Kind of assumed I would be doing that for the rest of my life, helping people make better decisions to improve their mental health. And uh, but I became associated with a brilliant exercise physiologist by the name of Dr. Joe Vigil, who's a le- who's an Olympic legend in the track and field space. And he got me thinking about the application of psychology to human performance. And I started working with his runners and track and field athletes and started looking at that as, and this was back in the 70s. There was no performance psychology, sports psychology. It wasn't even the words mentally tough. wasn't really weren't part of the vernacular of um, athletes at that time. And so I made a career change. I made a big decision to, to pursue not the application of psychology to helping people become healthier and who were not that healthy, but to take healthy people and make them extraordinary. And so I started to, uh, I, there was nothing to, to really, I couldn't go to school and get degrees in it. And so I spent a lot of time at the United States uh, Jimmy Connors Tennis Center in Florida. I went there. Then at six years, I set up an institute, research institute at the Nick Volaturi Tennis Academy, where we had most of the great players. And eventually, uh, I joined forces with Dr. Jack Roppel, who has his PhD in bioengineering. And we formed the Human Performance Institute that was in Orlando at a place called Lake Nona. And uh, we had, I think, one of the most extraordinary opportunities to view the the human system under stress. We had everything from, you know, special ops groups to in the med- in the medical world, surgeons. We had 17 number ones in the world in sport. Everything from sumo wrestlers from Japan spent six months with us to world chess champions. And that, I'm a data guy. I love research. I love to collect data. And we began to realize that the single most important competency that people possess in their lives is the ability to make good decisions. I've written 18 books, and it took me 18 books to get to what I believe is the single most important skill we possess as human beings that acquired, as Sheila said, it's acquired. So we're excited about, we did a, a deep dive into the science of decision-making, and that's how the book got formed. Well, it's so fascinating to hear both of you and where you've come from and your background. Um, you've written a book, you've already referred to it, called Wise Decisions. And a lot of my questions will help us get a sneak peek into the content of this book. So I look forward to diving into that today. Now, first, could you share a bit about what are the key characteristics of good decision-making? And maybe, Jim, we'll start with you, and then we'll go to you, Sheila. Well, I think, first of all, it's so interesting, and this was shocking to both Sheila and I, that it's not taught. Parents don't know how to teach it. Um, it's not taught in grade schools. It's not taught in junior high. It's not taught in colleges. It's not taught in universities for the most part. It's not taught in graduate schools. And it's not taught in corporate universities. And it might be the single most important asset we have as human beings. We were dumbfounded about that. And when you look at a single day, there's evidence that we, we actually we'll make as many as 35,000 decisions in a single day, as many as 245,000 in a week, and over 12 million in a single year. 
And yet when we ask people, when we ask people, what are you referencing? How are you making those decisions? They're Buffalo that, you know, we just, I don't know. I just make the decision. There's a brilliant psychologist and economist by the name of Dr. Dr. Kahneman, Daniel Kahneman, who uh, wrote a book called Slow and Fast Decision-Making, Decisions Fast and Slow. And what we began to learn was that most of the decisions we make are purely automatic. And we really don't think that much about them. And as you said in the beginning, some are completely inconsequential. But others, even though they're small, may have a, a huge kind of long-term effect. Even just choosing not to exercise today or tomorrow or this week may have an effect on our decision-making ability because we're not as clear-minded. So we got into that space and we learned just in terms of the key elements, our best decisions come from a very deliberate rather than automatic mode. And it includes all of the areas of the human brain, this neural processor, where we actually look at what, what is the cognitive or rational brain, this cortex and free pre-cortex, prefrontal cortex, what, what, is the, what is being sent in terms of a message there? How, what is it really saying to you? How about the emotional brain, which has an incredible amount of information that can add to your understanding of what you should do, what's the choice you should make here? We also, um, we have this incredible intuitive brain that there is kind of, what does your gut tell you? And then finally, what does your heart say? What we call sometimes this, you know, this compassion, this empathy network that actually can give us some great information about what is the right thing to do here. So our best decisions access our whole brain, not just one area or the other, not just intuitively guess, this is what I should do. But to become more deliberate and contemplative, particularly as a habit when we're making decisions that potentially can change the trajectory of our lives. Well, thanks for sharing that. I love that focus on using the whole brain and being very deliberate in our decision making. Uh -huh. Sheila, what else would you add to that of what Jim said? Well, what I would add to that is that it's our whole brain, but it's our whole body as well. So our brain, our, you know, our kind of, uh, you know, um, nervous system goes throughout our body and emotions are the seat of our feelings. And that's our viscera, our organ systems. These are you know, parts of our body that formed, that wired up our emotions before we had access to words when we were infants in the womb when we were little and we didn't have language to be able to express ourselves. So it's this 360 degree data set that Jim and I talk about in the book and really considering all angles when making a, when making a decision. And what we know about good decisions, there are several elements of it, but when we can act rather than react, we're always going to make better decisions. And as, as Jim said, so much of what we do is just automatic, impulsive. We've not thought it out. Our parents didn't think it out. That's how we learn. We watch, you know, there's a great quote, uh, don't worry that your children aren't listening to you. Worry that they're always watching you. So children model what they see around them. and you know, with adults who have unpacked how they make decisions, it, it's going to make it easier for a young person to have a process around how they make decisions. They see what they, they see and they learn. 
and and they do. And so this is incredibly important information to to have. Uh, in terms of how we make good decisions, we write about, um, it's an acronym called YODA, Your Own Decision Advisor. And really, this has to do with making decisions that we're proud of over the long haul that, that serve us and those we love and our bigger, you know, bigger picture purposes and goals over the long term. So thinking about what these characteristics are uh, that help us make those kinds of decisions requires doing some work, which we have. A, our book is set up as a, as a workbook to do some reflective writing, to think about, you know, what are those things that I care about most? What do I want the people who know me the best and love me the most to think of me? What is the felt sense I want them to have about me? You know, you know, at the end of the line, especially like, who do I want to be? How do I want to show up? And trying to make decisions that are consistent with those, those end goals. One important thing to uh, mention about decisions is we can't be perfect all the time. And I'm a developmental scientist, so I think a lot about, you know, the lens of children learning. And it's equally as important for us as adults when we've made a poor decision for whatever reason, maybe we were tired or reactive or stressed or we're thinking about the wrong things to help our children talk with our children about, uh, about you know, what those components were to help them understand that there was a process maybe where mistakes were made, where we can learn, where are their growth opportunities. They're equally as important as, as seeing us make uh, good decisions as parents, as teachers, as coaches what have you. So it's this iterative, you know, bi-directional learning process with adults and young people. And we can help them just be aware that they're making decisions and have some kind of a process to step back and take some time to think about it, to talk to people they trust and want to emulate about it, just to really give it, you know, take it out in the light of day. That's going to ensure that they're going to wire up at, you know, at, on average, a better decision-making process than others who haven't done that. We'll be right back. As a leader of a nonprofit, you know firsthand how important it is to have the right technology tools and strategies in place to achieve your mission. Well, that's where Heller Consulting comes in. Heller Consulting is a premier consulting firm that specializes in helping nonprofit organizations achieve their goals through effective technology strategy and implementation. Whether you need help with technology roadmaps, CRM strategy, Salesforce, or Microsoft implementations, Team Heller has you covered. With Heller Consulting on your side, you can trust that you'll have the support you need to make the most of your organization's technology resources. Visit teamheller.com slash NLP to learn more. Again, that's teamheller.com slash NLP to learn more. Do your investments align with your values? Well, now's the time to increase your triple bottom line to better people, profit, and the planet. Amalgamated Investment Services, a division of America's socially responsible bank, has a deep-seated commitment to affecting systemic change through investments. By specializing in triple bottom line impact, they can help navigate the common hurdles experienced by nonprofit organizations and foundations. From creating a sustainable policy statement to avoiding the all-too-prevalent greenwashing. If you would like to join them in creating a more just and sustainable world, please visit amalgamatedbank.com slash nonprofit investing. Again, that's amalgamatedbank.com slash nonprofit investing. Securities offered through Infinix Investments Incorporated, member FINRA and SIPC. Amalgamated Investment Services is a trade name of Amalgamated Bank. Infinix and Amalgamated Bank are not affiliated. 
Do you want a clear step-by-step system to write grants so that your nonprofit secures funding in a stress-free manner? Well, check out the free grant writing class, How to Write Winning Grants in Seven Proven Steps. You will walk away with seven nuggets of grant writing clarity and a free action workbook so you can start writing higher quality grants today. Just watch this free class now at grantwritingandfunding.com slash Rob. Again, that's grantwritingandfunding.com slash Rob. Well, I'm so glad you mentioned Yoda. We're going to do a little bit of a deeper dive into that because I like, first of all, I love the reference to Star Wars, so well done. Uh, but then we're also, we'll talk a bit more about what you mean by that. You've already kind of given us a little bit uh, on that. Now, you do argue in the book that one's physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual health together influence each decision we make. So I want you to talk a bit more about that. How can we as human beings first, and then just leaders second, maximize a truly positive and holistic approach when it comes to our health in order to make the best decisions. And again, maybe we'll start with you, Sheila, and then back to Jim. Perfect. I love that you wrote human being first, leader second. Human being always goes first, whether it's human being first, athlete second, human being first, CEO, teacher, whatever role, you know, there's the, the, you know, the meeting soul to soul versus role to role. I love that, this quote, um, this, uh, that term, but our our, everything emanates from our human being. And as human beings, we are in nature via nurture epigenetic process 24 7, 365. We're always being shaped by the factors around us. And this distinction between mental and physical health, the line drawn between the two, is a false distinction because below the skin, we are a combination, the same molecules are affecting mental, physical, and emotional health. Um, in our book, chapter one is how uh, health ignites wise decision making. There's a fourth dimension of spiritual health. And we talk about, um, you know, that these are our higher order beliefs and values. Again, how we want to show up, those things that guide us from the inside out, the big beacons of true north. And so we all have been in a place where we have not gotten enough sleep. We had an extra glass of wine before going to bed that we didn't need. Um, we've been working on a project and, and uh, you know, not, not getting the rest we need in the recovery or life factors are going on, we're just not our 100% best selves. It's what's important to know is those things, the little things add up to the big things. So, you know, getting up in the morning and just like Jim said, deciding not to exercise, going to have, going to Dunkin' Donuts instead of having something healthy, not prioritizing wellness and self-care. It's a vital first step because all of these elements, you know, all the little parts that go into our smaller decisions, the little things, the, the way we conduct our day, the way we treat others, the way we meet with others as we're out in the world, the way we're kind to ourselves, these all make a difference in helping us have the uh, base to make uh, better decisions longer you know, down the line because our mind-body chemistry will be more balanced and in a place to be able to take a pause and stop and, and act rather than react when the bigger decisions come along. Oh, well said. You know, it's interesting. We sold the Human Performance Institute to Johnson & Johnson. Probably today, some 400,000 people went through the Institute and we collected so much data on all. And people came there to win. They came there to figure out how to get to the next level, whether it's in cor- what we call corporate athletes or the special forces person as an athlete or surgeon as athlete. And what we finally came, based on all the data, we came to understand that the single most important thing we were doing with people to help them 
you know, really make great decisions under stress was to get them healthier. And health is physical, it's emotional, it's mental, and it's spiritual. And we're a fully integrated species. If you take one out, the whole system kind of collapses. And so we have to understand that all dimensions of who we are need to be tended to. And they need to be somehow vetted properly in the decision-making process. And if you suddenly find that you're not feeling well, you're in an emotionally bad place, maybe a hot emotion, either positive or negative, you're just, you're really having a hard time with maybe depression or sadness. Maybe you're having a lot of trouble sleeping and you're really kind of foggy on, you know, what your, the meaning of your life right now. You're kind of questioning a lot of things. It's probably not the best time to be making a, the really critical decision. So pause, maybe sleep on it, get some exercise. And the more awareness you have that all of these dimensions are playing a role in your ability to access your wisdom. We all have a repository of wisdom, but so often it gets blocked. We have all kinds of biases. We have a lot of things that are going on that prevent us from getting to what we really need to get to, to make the right choice. And so the fact that we're integrated, our decisions have to be integrated, and that's a thoughtful, deliberate process. When we start thinking about deliberate decision-making, certainly our decisions reflect our values and purpose. But as you've already mentioned, with all the pressures in life, coupled with increased demands, low energy, perhaps high stress, uh, lack of sleep, there are definitely times when our decisions really, when we look back, they don't really align with our values and purpose. And so how do we rise above the stress and demands in order to make those decisions that align with and emerge from our values and our purpose? Jim, maybe you could address this first and then Sheila. So, you know, if we, if we want to talk about a superpower that we have as human beings, it's the ability to be reflective, to be what we call as conscious reflection, to reflect on what it is we're doing. We're the only species on earth that actually has the capability of observing how our own brains work and what we're actually doing. And that process is what distinguishes really great decision-making from poor decision-making. We can actually intervene and say, wait a minute, that's not really the way I would want to make this decision. So in terms of what are the highest priorities in terms of decision-making, Sheila referenced it, is, is, is really... The understanding that, and we found this at the Institute, at the top of what we call the performance pyramid, was this area, dimension of spirituality. Spirituality was really the notion that, you know, the human spirit is really, has its own kind of dynamic in everything we do. And if we can align ourselves with our deepest values, our sense of purpose, Mark Twain once said, the two most important days in your life are the day you were born and the day you found out why. We found that the single most powerful force in a person's life, if they tap into it properly, is the reason for living. And really, it sets the course of everything. If you get that wrong, and if you don't have a purpose, life becomes a nightmare. So all decision-making, your best self, who you want to be at the end of your life, what do you want on your tombstone? And so the book goes into a lot of things that help you craft what is the highest priority for decision-making 
that you possibly could look at and vet the decision through that lens. And that's not something you just discover haphazardly. You have to work at this. So this is a very important part of who we, it's maybe the most important part of who we are that distinguishes us from everyone else in the animal kingdom, that we actually can decide what we want our life to be, how we want to live our life, and what is the, what is the definition of a truly successful life for you? And let's align our decisions so we can get there. So at the end of our life, we say, you know, I ended up pretty much where I wanted to. And we call that in the book, Getting Home. Well, I like that idea of kind of thinking of your end of life in a sense, and then reflecting back towards your current life. That's great. Thank you. Jack. Sheila, what would you like to add to that? Well, I uh, just on the, the, the Mark Twain quote in particular is one of my very favorites. And I, I always love plunking this statistic in, but the three kind of top factors that predict long-term brain health, which is, of course, part of physiological health too over time, is A, having a sense of purpose, a set, which gives a sense of belonging, being, out, being about something larger than ourselves and um, you know, having something to get out of bed for in the morning helps us learn and grow be, and be connected with others. The second factor is being connected with others, having strong social relationships. Isolation is a, you know, is a, it's a, it's a form of a chronic stressor, but um, purpose also helps connect us with other people who are aligned in, in purpose. And the third piece is exercise. Exercise biochemistry is so powerful, but doing something physically active every day. But but back to you know the question, it really is when if we've made uh, how to rise above a moment first is to realize that we're having a moment rather than acting. So this you know just becoming aware of the fact that we are constantly making decisions. This can entail. I have little post-it notes up in the kitchen and my bathroom mirror sometimes to remind me of things that I want to integrate into my mind that I may forget about if they're not right in front of my face. I put cues up because that's how we learn. We have repetitive cues. And the more that we uh, act on cues and by thinking certain thoughts or doing certain behaviors, the more they become automatic over time. And that's, again, the science of nurture shaping nature epigenetics. The second thing is to be aware, again, of the fact that our brains are designed to, to trick us. There's something called confirmation bias that Kahneman writes about and we all have some kind of a preset story that we want to you know, that we want to follow. So our brains will select out pieces of data that are relevant for us. This is how two people could hear the same conversation here, two totally different things because of this bias in one direction or another. So being aware of that confirmation bias, and again, being able to get some space between ourselves and a particularly a, a bigger decision, even just you know, as a parent, I think about taking a time out and just you know going. To, leaving the kitchen, going to back to, you know, the, you know, my bedroom or something like that for a few minutes, just to take a few deep breaths and think about how I want to show up. And, you know, is this time to really make a decision or is it time to really just press pause for a little bit and make an agreement to talk about it later? But we can't do that without awareness. And the final thing has to do with, um, Jim talked about hot decisions, you know, hot decisions and whole decisions, knowing what our mood state is. And we tend to make impulsive decisions, both in a high positive and in a high negative mood state. And sometimes the high positive, the impulsive, like that's the best idea on earth. I'm going to go do it. And I can't afford it. I'm going to do it anyway, because it's going to be great. You know, that's one, I, you know, one kind of form of a, of a, uh, an impulsive decision that may not play out over the long haul, like we want it to. And then the hot, you know, the hot, low negative decisions where there may be 
anger, frustration, stress coming out that, that may not have anything to do with the situation at hand, may have to do with things that happened, you know, last week or during the day that have nothing to do with the person on the other side of the, the interaction. So just buying time and being aware is key. And using breath, like using that awareness and our bodies to really just kind of deep in, deep out, take a moment. And that gives us agency and power to act rather than react. Thank you for both for being on the show, sharing your insights. Thanks for putting this book together. It's going to help us all become better leaders. So thank you. Hey, friends. Well, I wanted you to know that this podcast can be found on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, Google Podcasts, and wherever you listen to other podcasts. I also want to encourage you to like, subscribe, and share this podcast with others. This will actually help us get this great content out to more nonprofit leaders just like you. You can also join the Nonprofit Leadership Podcast community. Find other resources and interviews of past guests all on my website, nonprofitleadershippodcast.org. Well, thanks again for listening. And until next time, keep making your world better.